0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is award-winning educator, author, and filmmaker, Joe Fatherly. Uh, We're going to be talking about mining the gold nugget in remote learning, which is a hot topic today, remote learning. COVID is closing in and schools are closing down, once again forcing the role of teacher on parents who never signed up for the job. Joe Fatherly, one of the most recognized teachers in the world, offers insights and practical steps to help parents make the best of this challenging opportunity, think like a teacher, and help their children develop one of the most powerful forces in the world: the mind of an avid independent learner. Currently, the instructor of create creativity and innovation at Effingtonham High School in Effingtonham, Illinois. Uh, Joe Fatherly's accolades include top ten finalists for the 2016 Global Teacher Prize, the 2009 NEA National Award for Teaching Excellence, and the 2007 Illinois Teacher of the Year Award. His television work has aired nationally on PBS, the Documentary Channel, Hulu, and the MLB Network. He's also the recipient of three Mid-America Emmy Awards and a telly. Very, very impressive, Joe. Uh, uh, thank welcome you. to the show. <laughs>
1: thank you. I'm excited to be on and talk about this. I'm sure it's going to be hard for people to think about how do we find anything that's good
0: uh, during
1: this, uh, this difficult time.
0: Yeah. But this is like, this is the topic obviously of, of the day uh, teaching these kids and parents teaching kids at home. And as I said in the beginning, many of whom are always saying, I mean, I, you know, I'm a, I'm an engineer. I'm a something, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I'm a, uh, you know, a hedge fund person, whatever I am, but I am not a teacher. So right. how do I do this? And why am I in this position? So as you say, uh, hey, let's not talk. That's really not helpful. You are in this position and how are you going to do it? Let's be creative about it and let's be forward thinking. So how do you do it? It's all about perspective. I think that's what you talk about.
1: Well, it is about perspective. And I want to go back in time just a little bit because To be fair to all of your listeners around the country, no one signed up for this. There's not a teacher, there's not a parent, there's not a doctor, there's not a social worker, there's not anyone on the earth that signed up for this. COVID came like a train in the night, and it hit the world in 100 miles an hour, and there was no one that was prepared for it. And I just go back in time to where we were at in mid-March in school. Uh, It was kind of like, you know, we live in the Midwest, and this is tornado country in part. And so when... March and April come, you watch the weather channel, and you see the clouds on the radar coming across the west, and you know they're coming, and then all of a sudden those first drops of rain hit the pavement, and then you start to look you know, to see what the level of the storm is like, and that was kind of what happened to COVID in March. We uh, saw it coming, and people were talking about it, but you didn't want to believe that it was going to happen, and then I remember on a Friday in mid-March, we got an announcement from our superintendent that said, hey, you know, as of Monday, teachers, students, it's going to be your last day. We're going to get prepped for remote learning. And uh, over the weekend, we got an email that said students will no longer be in attendance. And on Monday morning, they said, grab your stuff and get out of here as quick as you can. We're going to reconvene online. And then the state gave us about a week to be able to try to flip a 100 years of education upside down and get prepared for it. Parents had no training in that. It was just what's going to happen next. So I understand where they're coming from is, you know, I don't know if I have a job. I'm at home. I don't have technology. Uh, how do I work with my kids? And even in first or second grade, sometimes the curriculum can be so challenging that parents don't know where to go. And the fact of that, I may have more one more than one child at home. It was a daunting daunting task for teachers and parents to take this on, and I'm wondering if that's what you've heard back from your viewers.
0: Yeah, that's what I do hear back from viewers, colleagues, friends, families, actually from from, from most people, and I, I think I think one of the things that you've said, your attitude, your attitude affects your child's attitude, and I think there's, that's that's been a, a real problem from the very start with all of this. This kind of negative attitude about it can't be done. What mm-hmm. are we going to do? How are we going to do it? I don't think that was has been addressed, has it? Or in the beginning of the COVID nineteen, oh. when parents were put in this position of having to teach their childrens at at home. Attitude wasn't something I think it's that hard we
1: t- to address. Yeah, I think it's hard to address, Catherine, because I mean, I I was listening to you talk to your last uh, guest, and you know, just attitude of people and how they're handling COVID, and just you know, uh, the precautions we're supposed to take. There's so much negativity in the world out there today on almost every channel, social media, you know, newspaper you read, conversation you have. But our kids are looking to us for guidance. That's that's what we as adults did sign on for as parents. We signed on to raise our children. We signed on to guide our children. We signed on to make sure our children have a better tomorrow. And that's one of the things all parents, you know, that we talk to. I I run a co host a podcast called Finger Painting the Future and my co host Lawrence Ann and Romano and I talk about this a lot about, you know, that's the one thing that we see parents want is a brighter future for their children. And so that's going to come with a certain degree of obligation. And so while we've, you know, as adults, we have to deal with this and process all of this stuff. And that's not undermining the importance of that, because there's the whole section of that that we have to figure out how we stay healthy and strong as adults. Our children have to see possibility Going forward, I mean, I, you remember back in nine eleven when all of the darkness covered the you know the United States, and there were children that they were taught. Matter of fact, I just talked to a psychologist about this that was working with uh, orphans, and he said that he went into the orphanage right after nine eleven, and he said a lot of the kids were having PTSD because they didn't understand that there were two planes that hit the World Trade Center, every time they saw one on the news, they thought it was a new attack. And so they just thought we were constantly being bombarded. And so you got to understand that children process things differently than we do as adults. And so if we have all of these conversations about, you know, the economy and the virus and, you know, people being sick and dying, that's a lot for an 8 or an 18-year-old to process and so we as adults, first of all, we have to change our philosophy. I'm very much uh, focused on the positive, deal with a negative type of person. And I would just caution all of our people out there that are listening, whether you're a parent or grandparent or community member, when you're around children, what is the conversation going to look like? If you talk about the new normal for kids, they see that as perpetuity. This is now forever the way we're going to do things, and that's not the picture we want to paint our children. You know, for young kids, it's incredibly frightening because they're worried about mommy and daddy and what's going on. For high school kids like I teach, they're worried enough about their future, and where am I going to go to college? Is there going to be a job? And as we talk about all this rapid unemployment or rampant unemployment and all these other things going on, do those kids have any hope for tomorrow? And so it's up to us as adults to help paint that pathway and look back at history where we struggled over time, but we found a biter tomorrow. And I believe we're going to come out of this better than we have in the future. I think we're, I I talk about our kids right now. I I go back in time and I talk about the thirties and forties about that was the greatest generation. And I, I, tell my kids in class, I said, you are the next greatest generation. We see tremendous hope in you. That's a different conversation than doom and despair. And so I, I definitely think attitude has to be a part about this. It's all about perspective.
0: Yeah, it, I think it is all about perspective and attitude. And also you've named sort of different groups of eight-year-olds are different than 18-year-olds. I have my absolutely uh, yeah, grandchildren are living with me and their parents are there too. Two, a set of twins, two and a half and a four-year-old, um, they don't have the perspective, you know, they're not worried about their jobs or college or those kinds of things. And I've noticed the four-year-old is sort of just, he's in a situation where he's with his grandmother, his parents, they're there all the time. Mm-hmm. He loves it. He, and he can talk Back about forward. COVID. Yeah. Can talk about COVID-19. He doesn't really see, you know, everybody's healthy. That's what he sees. So it doesn't, doesn't really impact him in terms of the world. Um, He just knows he has to wear a mask and he, can't do certain things mm-hmm. because, uh, and he knows how you know distance. He has to you know stay apart from people and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing for that age group is not being able to have contact with a lot of other children, and and that's probably the, I would say the biggest issue, at least in that category. And um, you know, he's well, learning online. School, learning is the first. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a big part of school, and I think sometimes people devalue the importance. You know, we've become so test happy and focused on academics that one of the things we've lost perspective of is the overall health of the whole child. So one of the things we've got to think about in a remote learning environment, even for the very young children, is how do we provide opportunities for them to network with other children their age? And how do we understand the value of that mental health, that SEL piece? You know, one of the things that we've I wonder what it would be like if we could go back in time to circa 2000 when cell phones really kind of started to come out and we were really, you know, stepping off on social media. And you may know this, but like uh, the CDC reported last fall that over the last 10 years, teen suicides have increased 70%. And uh, girls are three times more likely to commit suicide than a boy. And they, and research is starting to paint a pathway back to social media and over-reliance of cell phones. We see children that are uh, very uh, emotionally disturbed, Uh, they're depressed, they have high rates of anxiety. And so how would we, if we could go back in time, how would we address those different mediums? And we can't do that, but right now we can take that information and say, I wonder how that corresponds to where we're at in COVID right now and being online all the time and not having a chance to talk to other children. And so we want to be thinking about what's this going to impact our kids like 10, 15 years down the road and how do we do the best that we can do to make sure that our kids are prepared and healthy both physically and mentally and academically.
0: So, let's let's uh, be specific like put, like put a face on it. What should what are the positive, what are the golden nuggets of of remote learning? What's the best we can get out of it?
1: So, here's another thing that I'm not sure a lot of listeners are prepared to hear, but while the COVID-19 train has been chugging down the tracks, there's also another train out there that a lot of people have, are not aware of, and it's it's the future of work and how technology and automation is going to impact our society. You know, back in about mid-April, uh, there became a, a job report came out that we'd lost about 20.6 million jobs Uh, due to COVID. And that was the worst level since the Great Depression. Well, there are economists that have predicted by 2030 that we're at risk of losing about 25% of all jobs here in the United States. That's 36 million jobs in the next 10 years. And so, and there will be people who will argue about, yes, that's going to create a new set of jobs, automation will, but I think a lot of educators are saying, yes, but do you have the skills for those high-level jobs to do those type of things? And will the skills I have today still be relevant? And so if you look back prior to COVID, automation and AI to two of the hottest topics in the world. And those things have continued on. And so I, I bring that up because what I believe is what remote learning, some of the opportunity out of this is, is for our children to really um, – become advocates in their own learning. I, I Part of my class is that they are remote learners. And I tell my kids, when you're not in class with me every day, one of the things that you have to become better at is how to advocate for yourself. What leadership skills can I employ in you to help you get better at that? And I said, because I can't walk by your desk every day, and I don't have the individual time with you. So that's a lot to ask from a 17- or 18-year-old. It's a ton to ask from an eight year old. But my wife is a second grade teacher. She's been working on leadership training with her kids. And it's been fascinating to watch those kids on screen say, Mrs. Fathery, hold on just a second. Can you go back to this? Mrs. Fathery, so-and-so's needing help with this. And these kids respond if you give them seed that training in there for leadership and help them to be able to understand. So what I'm looking at is the opportunities for creativity, collaboration, problem solving. The list goes on and on of skill sets that our children are going to need down the road. And in some cases, if we do this the right way, we can help build on that. I also appreciate the fact that just like you said about your grandchildren, for decades, the role of school has become, and this is not a knock on anyone because this is just the way we've always done school, is mommy and daddy put Johnny on a bus. Johnny goes to school Teacher takes care of teaching during the day. You come Johnny comes home at night. Grandma and Grandma, mommy and daddy may work with Johnny a little bit on homework for but basically education is the job of the classroom teacher. Now it's become a partnership. And I was on a call the other day watching a, an element watching an elementary teacher work with these young kids and it was just it was absolutely fascinating, Catherine, because in the background these parents were there helping guide and serving really as a first year teacher. Helping their children learn, and you know what? When that when that uh, Zoom call stopped, that learning did not stop. That process did not stop at home. Now it's become a partnership where we're working together. And I believe because of the way the world's changing, the way the future of work is unfolding, that's the type of community partnerships we're going to have to have. Now I'm going to I'm going to be right. I'm going to be very honest about this. The education waters do not right now do not look like the Caribbean. They're not that crystal clear water that we all want to, you know, we see on TV and we want to fly down and we want to swim in. It's more like the muddy Mississippi right now. It's all stirred up and it's very messy and people are frustrated and they don't know where to turn. But if we keep working through this, I believe the process is going to get better and clearer. And the one thing I want to make sure and give your listeners is for you parents out there, you're not failing your ch- your child. I just want you to know that from a classroom teacher, we, are, we believe you are heroes, and we, do not, we believe you're, you are helping your children grow. And in, in my leadership training, I talk with my kids about, as long as you're moving forward, we're failing forward. And that's what I look at it right now. Failing is a part of the learning process. And together with parents, we're making things, we're doing the best we can. And I see in the classrooms that I'm in and the ones I teach, I see the process getting a little bit better every day but parents and kids are going to have to learn how to advocate back to teachers so that we get that communication line better and stronger. And I think that's been one of the missing components is we've never had that strong communication line.
0: And not only that, I think before COVID, yes, to just uh, sort of embellish on that, I think one of the criticisms were that, that uh, parents weren't there. They, you know, they're gone, you know, two working parents out of the house. They don't see their kids till dinner time. And That was, you know, obviously had a very negative effect on the kids, on the family, uh, on those kinds of relationships. So now this is like we have the opportunity, as you say, be with your kids, develop the partnership between the parents and the teachers and the kids. It's a whole big circle, I guess. And one thing that. But I think I said this in the beginning, in describing what you're doing. But independent learners, I think that's key, and I think we have gotten mm-hmm. away from that. We have the helicopter parents who were uh, not yep. necessarily, There was, <laughs> which I don't think is healthy for kids or the parents. And so, uh, you know, that that kind of stuff hopefully will go by the by. And you're going to create these independent learners um, in in the context that you described. So th- that's definitely the positive that comes out of all of this. And then
1: that. Well, and with that, Catherine. With that, yeah. Catherine, what you're saying is. Um, there's not a mom or dad out there It's a helicopter parent who's taken on that role and they think they're harming their child. But what we want to do is we can't always be there to answer every question for our children. They've got to learn how to struggle and work through those things. And so, like I said, in my class, I teach a creativity and innovation class. It, failure is an inherent part of that. And we talk that about that openly in class. And how do we go back and address those things? Most mom and dads have never had that training. So talking to your classroom teacher and asking them about how much help should I provide, I, I'm struggling. I'm just gonna say I'm I'm struggling as a mom. I'm struggling as a dad to sit back and watch Johnny do this. How do you do this as a classroom teacher? Because it looks like he's failing and the teacher can come back and say, well he is struggling. But this is the part of this process. So if we just go this much farther, this is where you're going to see things start getting better. It's very much like whenever you probably you and I first rode a bike and you took your training wheels off. You know, our mom and dads at our age are still not running beside us, you know, trying to hold the bike up and keeping us from falling over. We had to fall over and learn how to get back up. But, we, you know, we gave, they gave us a safe environment on a grassy yard to be able to learn how to ride instead of, a, you know, a public highway.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things, and I, going back to my own childhood and asking my father, who was an attorney and a very successful guy, and I would always, wanting help, he would say, you know, I'm here for you, but I know how to do this. So I can do it, yeah. I'll get it done in five minutes, but you need to be the one to know how to do it. That is something that has always sort of stuck by me, and and that's true. I've done that, I think that, uh, which is kind of what you're saying, you know, you're helping them ride the bicycle, but you're not going to ride the bicycle for them. Um,
1: well, and the other thing is, like, we, we've created, uh, I had several teachers that I talked with, and they said, you know what, these parents have really become first-year teachers, And we have, there's a high attrition rate for first-year teachers because they come out of college, they've been well-versed in the science of teaching, but they really have had very little practice in the art of it. And they don't understand exactly what that process looks like because it all comes from life experience. And that's where a lot of our parents are at right now. They're being asked to think like a teacher. And so what, we did uh, on, on our podcast was we created a parent guide to suit student success where parents are to think like a teacher. and We broke down how parents could, uh, one, look at themselves first to really intrinsically look and say, okay, where am I at? What am I struggling with? What are my needs? And where do I need to go to get that addressed? Secondly, we looked at the role, uh, the part, the unique partnership between parent and teacher. And it may have changed A lot since COVID has taken place and you're now in a remote learning environment. But I'm I'm just going to say for every teacher in America out there, parents or teachers really want to hear from you. They really want to have dialogue. And dialogue can come in a lot of different ways. It can come in email, it can come in phone calls, but just regular conversations and asking teachers really hard questions about, you know, how do you set up, you know, a learning environment at home? How do you work with your student, because it is different now. If you're taking on the role of teacher at home, the roles a little bit different between mommy and daddy, or mommy the teacher, daddy the teacher, and child and student. And so, Joe, I want to interrupt you there because I, I have
0: a question. Yes. That, and and this is, uh, you know, you're talking about mommy and daddy and teaching, and, and and kind of we're putting it in a, I guess, a general context. What about specific, What about parents? And does this make a difference? Well-educated parents, parents who have college degrees, graduate degrees, as opposed to parents who maybe just have a high school degree. I mean, it's, is, there a, a di- is there a different set of uh, rules, understanding, whatever you want to call it? Because it has to be, you know, even if daddy's an engineer, but he's still been, you know, he's had a lot of discipline, training, teaching, mm-hmm. and, and experience in um academia. So w- there has to be a difference.
1: Well, so that's a great question. That's a great question. And I think here here's the mode I would like people to think in and that is that children are not little adults. They're children. And they think differently and they process things differently than adults. And so whether you're a high school graduate or you have a PhD from Harvard, you have to approach the fact that your child thinks differently than you do. I would also say that no matter where you're at on the learning spectrum, that you need to understand and practice empathy for your child and yourself. And then the final piece is, yes, there, there probably are going to be some some difficult things that you're going to have to deal with but t- depending upon where you're at on the learning spectrum. So if I have a high school degree and I get into some higher level you know, mathematics or writing projects, or, you know, you can run the gamut on this. And some of this happens at very early ages. I've seen parents, literally heard them online talk to teachers about, they don't want to say this, but they're like, I don't understand this. I feel dumb. And there's a humiliation factor that some parents have. I'm just telling you, you have permission to to not feel humiliated. Your teacher wants to work with you to help you with the processes of that. So that needs to be taken off the board. You are where you're at. You're a hero to your child and to us, so please step forward and ask those questions. But also on the other side of that, let's say you have your Ph.D. at an Ivy League school. You may be the master of your content, and I think sometimes parents that are very high-level learners, they get frustrated if their children don't learn at what they perceive as fast enough. Make sure that you let your child perform at the level he or she can perform at, and talk to your teacher about that because they're going to maybe see this in a different way than you do. And just like you're the expert in your field, we're the experts in ours. And, you know, you've had tens of thousands of opportunities to work in the business world. I've had tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of opportunities to work with children. And so my database I draw from and I see in your child, you know, a thousand other children that I've worked with that helps lead me down a pathway as to how to work with these kids. So I think that's right, and and I, I just think that you have to also be then willing to go to your classroom teacher and say, you know what? I feel pretty confident in math. I feel, feel pretty confident in chemistry or whatever, but how would you, what's the best steps for me to break this down to my child so that I don't exasperate him or her?
0: Well, well said. Thank you. I, we, we only have about a minute left, so I I could obviously ask you a lot more questions. Can't do it today, but so Joe uh, give us a uh, information. Are you, about websites we can go to more information about you you have a podcast all of that
1: yeah so i one thing i would really encourage your listeners go to fingerpaintingthefuture.com and go to our resources page we do have a downloadable pdf think like a teacher a parent guide to student success where it breaks down those subtopics like i was saying uh, to you about email us if you have questions we'd love to be able to field anything that you're dealing with and see if we can get you the appropriate resources. And uh, my last piece is, you know, uh, we're in this together and we're all a family and we will come out of this better uh, than we went into it. And it's also a chance for us to transform education and fix a lot of the glaring issues that have been out there. So before we say let's just go back to the way things were, let's, Im- let's imagine what things can be. And let's start shooting for that and working together and practice grace and empathy for one another. And I think, well, I think we'll be okay.
0: Great. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Great talking to you. Good information. Thanks, Catherine,
1: for all you do. look forward
0: to yep. being on again. Thank- Take care. Thanks, Joe. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.